You're listening to That's the Industry Podcast, episode number 28. Today, you're going to hear from an individual who quit his job as a Hollywood talent agent to become a gong therapist. Here we go. You're listening to That's the Industry with Thomas Jordan. That's the Industry with Thomas Jordan. The podcast that takes you inside all the aspects of the entertainment industry. Directly from the people who are making it happen. And now, your host, Thomas Jordan. What's going on, everyone? Thomas Jordan here for another episode. Today, we are talking to Alex Ballou. Alex, how's it going, man? Great. Awesome, man. Now, I'm super stoked to be talking to you today because we've kind of got like two things going. We're going to talk about uh, you being an agent as well as a gong therapist, but I'm always curious on how you people really got started in the industry. So I had a professor at Kennesaw State University named Shane Topher, who was a super, super cool guy, and I took multiple classes with him, and he is friends with Rick Estemond. And around the time I was looking to graduate, I was trying to figure out what to do. And he had heard from Rick, who is currently the president of People Store, that they were looking for an internship. And so he sent that to me, and I just sent in a cover letter in my resume to Rick and was like, hey, I heard you guys need an intern. And I went in and interviewed and was accepted to that internship program. And eventually became an assistant, and then a junior agent, and then a talent agent. It kind of, it kind of fell into my lap. You know, I wasn't planning on doing that. I didn't know what to do. I was like, well, school's over. I don't want to wait tables. And here's this. But I didn't know talent agents were a thing. I didn't know these agencies were a thing. Like I, I knew the acting industry in Atlanta was doing something, but that just wasn't on my radar or part of my life up until that point. Do you feel like, uh, has anyone ever gotten irritated with you when because people who want to be an agent or actor or anything, if it just falls into their lap and it's something they've been working for, does, has anyone ever been like, how did that happen? I've been trying to do this for so long. Um, I don't know. If that's happened, I, I'm unaware. Uh, I could see how that could be the thing. I think that... That would be more frustrating for if I were an actor. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I just somehow accidentally booked the SAG National uh, versus being an agent. I mean, um, <laughs> I I don't want to. You know, I I think of the way I word it. You know, I never was like, oh my gosh, this just so easily happened to me. I mean, it was you know, it, there was still level of challenge and, and work ethic that was necessary to accomplish that. But I I just it wasn't a plan until it was. Yeah. And what what would you say you were learning at first as an intern, as an agent? Honestly, first of all, I just had to learn some professionalism because I had been in the restaurant industry, which is like, you know, at least in the restaurants I worked in in particular at that time, you know, there's some like grimy elements of that. And I was a college student. And so switching to an office setting, one of the first things I had to learn was just how to speak and how to carry myself and how to level up in a professional setting and and be appropriate in that sense and then there was like you know and that would have been any office nine to five but I had to figure out everything about how to do that job period and like what's the difference between this casting director and that one and 
yeah, I don't know. There was like a whole mountain of stuff to figure out. It took me like a year of mm-hmm. working there before I was like, okay, I, I kind of know what I'm doing ish. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And when you then, so you went from intern to junior agent, how, what was that transition? Honestly, between me and you and everybody who's going to listen to this <laughs> podcast, so more people than that, but uh, I don't know. You know what I mean? It was a title change. And then there was a title change between being an agent and a junior agent, at which point I registered with the union. So like I was on the union's radar as like an official talent agent. But this is so many years ago because I started a people store in 2013. But I don't know, just more responsibility, more contact with the clients and more contact with the actors and like just more in-depth tasks and more like a complete picture and bird's eye view of what I was doing and less just like little trivial errands for the, my superiors. So what, and then is, I'm guessing when you transferred from intern to junior agent, then junior agent to actual talent agent, was there any more difference between that? Or was it just another like, Hey, uh, you've been doing well here. Now we're just going to up you one more. It, it, it changed. I mean, there was a change in how much money I made. There was just a, it was constantly evolving to become more and more responsibility, more, the longer I worked there, the more connection I had with the actors on the roster. Uh, and so that grew in depth. And then just like, I think more expectation and more like leadership necessity. And, you know, as time went on, more people came into the department. And so the, there was some level of mentorship piece there. And I was able to guide some of that just based on experience. It was on, It was honestly like always changing, you know what I mean? And the longer you work anywhere, I suppose, if things are in a natural progression, the more responsibility you're going to have uh, and the more expectations the people around you have from you because you've been there. So, I, you know, the longer I worked there, the the more involved I became and the bigger the projects I would handle and the more I would oversee and the more like questions I could answer for other people. And what would your day-to-day be like as a talent agent? Um... That, that would vary, but I mean, a lot of email, that's for sure, a lot of phone calls, a lot of checking on voicemails, a lot of the, everything. I mean, we would, new breakdowns would come through, we'd submit on breakdowns, I could have no new jobs come in one day and just piddle around on jobs I'd been working on, or I could get flooded with a bunch in one day, or anything in between. Submitting actors, pitching actors for different projects, I worked on commercials, industrials, voiceover and print so it could be any variety of those categories of work coming through so that was you know that was always what was happening in the office and then outside of that we were usually going to events different talent showcases the Atlanta Film Festival different networking events different mixers and everything for industry people like Moxie used to have a bunch of events that we'd go to regularly and getting out of talent showcases to meet new actors and to keep keep like you know potential actors coming in so we could interview them and see if they'd be a fit for our roster but the most the most I did you know on a day-to-day basis was at a computer and on the phone just kind of like juggling these opportunities and booking information and telling people where to go and when and and details about different projects and hotel information and just everything it takes to fill in all the little pieces to get an actor on set and taken care of properly looking at their contracts, making sure the usage matched on their contracts was always like a really big part of it. You know what I mean? And that was, there was always kind of like a battle in the industry, I think, to like uphold standards to make sure that like, hey, you know, it used to be you always booked actors for 
eight-hour days, and then it became 10, and, and God, now you want 12 before overtime, and like always, always having to kind of like fight back on that to advocate for the actors. Because it just kept on getting harder and harder and harder for them, and we were like the last line of defense. Well, when you uh, were at these events looking for talent, what are some of the things you specific? Was there anything in specific you guys were looking for when it came to talent? Uh, you know, I used to get that question a lot. I will say, at least for from from working at that particular agency, because the roster was established and that company had been around for a long time, we weren't seeking out talent as frequently as maybe like some smaller agencies that were like looking to start their roster from scratch or had a, a smaller business. In fact, because of the reputation of People Store, so many actors were constantly coming to us and referrals were constantly coming to us. And, you know, we had to like siphon the amount of people coming in because we just couldn't see them all. Now, on occasion, uh, when we did go to the to the things, it would just depend. It would just depend on like which categories we needed at the time. I would try and, and go with no expectations, you know what I mean? And if I left and I didn't really see any actors that I thought were uh, something, someone we could use, then that was okay. And then if I did, that was a pleasant surprise, you know what I mean? But it was just so tricky because you could see a great actor who's like super talented. And you know that they can book stuff and you know that they are great at what they do. And it's like, man, but we still have that category full. And everybody who's in that category that we're already signed is great too. You know what I mean? It's like you want to be able to give opportunities to all these people who deserve it. But sometimes I just needed somebody based on their ethnicity and their age range. You know what I mean? Sometimes I just needed somebody who could book a commercial. And uh, maybe that's based on skill. Sometimes maybe that's based on looks. And that's just through my perception and lens. But both can be useful when it comes to booking commercial work. And obviously that's a, you know, a different story for film and TV but, yeah. and a totally different story for voiceover. I, I can only imagine. So what is the sifting price process like, especially I feel like a lot of people struggle to get an agent or manager or any type of representation. And I guess in my mind, maybe other people's minds too, it's like you submit your stuff to these you know, agencies who probably aren't even taking people just right off the rip, you know, do those, does the sifting process, like in my head, they were just like chucking it in the garbage or just not even seeing it. Is it really like that? If there's just unsolicited people just emailing you? I feel like there's like a misconception that like we get stuff and just instantly throw it in the trash. (laughs) Uh, I, I, I don't, you know, I can't promise that that never happens, but it wasn't quite like that. So like, so there's two different things like so there's people that don't know anything about acting and just one day decide they're going to be an actor or their kid's going to be an actor and they have they're just like just getting started and they don't know where to start or what to do or who to talk to and they reach out to us and it's like you are starting way at the wrong place you know what I mean like you need you know and every once in a while like I get stuck on a phone call like I'd pick up and they'd be like, hey, so uh, I want to become an actor. And it's like, oh, God, you know, like, <laughs> I don't have time to talk to you about this. Like, And sometimes I would just I would just try and be like, hey, look, you know, your first step is to go get some headshots and start with a level one on camera acting class. Thank you. You know what I mean? The office manager and office assistant would sift through most of the just kind of general blind submissions like that. So that was not really on my radar to have to work with, uh, thankfully. Now... There were all the established actors that were 
professionals that knew what they were doing and already had the materials and the training and, and, you know, they've been doing this, you know what I mean? And they've already gotten past that initial, like, what do I do? How do I do this stage in their careers? And I would watch their auditions. You know, if a, a prominent actor on our roster was like, hey, I really want you to see this, and they'd send it to me, or they'd send it to Brenda over in Film and TV, or just any of the agents would get that referral, then they would share it with all of the agents there, and we would watch, we'd usually watch a tape, you know what I mean? Back when I first started years ago, we did in-person reads, cold reads, weekly, and it just became too much. And so, as time progressed, we started to select based on taped auditions and then we'd narrow down from the taped auditions to do the in-person cold reads once a month so honestly I would just like watch these tapes on my computer and I would just say yes or no you know what I mean and if their audition wasn't strong no if they had something special about them and I was like you know this person's xyz or man we could really use this category or or whatever I would say yes. And everybody would do that. And so then we'd, you know, we it was like a vote, honestly. You know what I mean? And I don't know if it's still like that there because I've been gone for a while. So that could have become less democratic or more democratic. And, you know, sometimes the people who have been there working for years, it's like, hey, I don't care that you guys don't want to see this person. We're seeing this person. Like, I believe in them and we're just doing it. And I'd be like, okay, you know what I mean? So, you know, I always tried to be, you know, I never wanted to be like brutal or cold hearted about it. You know what I mean? Because I feel like that industry can be that way. And that's unfortunate. And so, you know, these are people's lives. These are people's dreams and aspirations. So to just shut it down, it takes a toll on you and it's hard. And sometimes you had to. And sometimes you were too busy to 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 give these people the time of day that they deserve, but that's just how it is. But I never I never said no to somebody without like thinking about it. You know what I mean? And, and weighing options. Then again, there's a ton of people that think they want to act and they just, they're not ready or they may never be ready. And that's just, that's just the truth. Have you ever had to uh, kind of give somebody some tough love before? Many times. Yeah? Many times. How was that? You know, I'd like to think that I approached that in a way that created a a safe space that was reinforcing and positive because it's still love, even if it's tough love. You know what I mean? And then there were times I had to learn along the way that the way I approached people and actors wasn't the best. And I'm such a direct, blunt person that sometimes it's hard to take. You know what I mean? And so that's a that's a skill I had to hone in on as time went on. But I had to do that all the time. But ultimately, when I look back at my time as a talent agent, I would like to think that that tough love was meaningful to people and that it helped them and that that perspective, while sometimes hard to hear or whatever it may be, was ultimately of benefit to them. Because that's what I, you know, that's why I did it. You know what I mean? I didn't want to make anybody feel bad. But it's like, hey, if your headshots aren't good, like somebody's got to be honest with you. You know what I mean? It might as well be me. Or like, hey, the way you're taping is just not working. Or, you know, your haircut. <laughs> you know, like all these like things that I never thought about before I was a talent agent. It's like now I have to talk to people about these things. 
and you know I'd like to say I did it with some some level of grace and like carefulness and but like I said there's other times where I had some bumps along the road where you know I had to check myself and look at the way I communicated with people you know one time I made somebody cry and I went back and read my email and I was a total dick and I was like god I felt terrible you know what I mean And, and this was actually there towards the end and the person who I made cry I love and so like it was you know it wasn't just me like teaching stuff to actors. It was a t- constant learning experience for myself. What did you say? I mean, it, it, this person had confirmed for an audition and we like pulled a bunch of strings to like make it happen and then that and then she still couldn't make it and I just kind of like chewed her a new one. But the way I approached it was like just not as tactful as I would like to be and it was just I mean, I don't really remember the specifics of it, but I remember regretting it. Did you eventually like talk to her and like say, hey, like that's, you know. We talked on the phone later. Yeah. We talked on the phone later. That's, yeah. I mean, my relationship with that person, I haven't talked to her in a while, but like some of these people that I worked with, I'm going to love forever. You know what I mean? Like it was so much more than the work to me. And I'd like to think about that, about all the relationships in my life. Like, I met them because I was their talent agent, you know what I mean? But a lot of the relationships I have from people store are very relevant in my life today, and they don't have anything to do with acting or entertainment because they're deeper than that. And there's a lot of people that I haven't communicated with that I used to all the time, and I miss them, you know what I mean? I don't miss that job. I don't miss uh, constantly looking at emails, and I don't miss producers calling me in the middle of the night and... I don't miss a lot of elements of it, but the people themselves, I miss deeply. It's crazy when you hang around people like that for so long. It's like, yeah, it almost kind of becomes, sounds like, and that's kind of when uh, my contacts who got me the interview were like, yeah, it's very like close knit. So by you talking about where, you know, it's more, it's almost sounds like a family over there. Yeah. You know, people store always had a reputation for there being, so many actors that people would fall through the cracks and it was too big and it wasn't personal. And I just never thought that was fair because I made it a point in my life to develop personal relationships with these people. It was, it, it was true that I didn't know everybody. So a bunch of people on that roster only did film and TV. They didn't work on commercials. So of course I wouldn't have the same relationship with them, but we also had a lot of agents there. You know what I mean? So like we had a big team to handle that big roster and I just never felt like that reputation was was right. You know, with any talent agent or t- talent agency anywhere in the world, whether it's in Los Angeles or the UK or here in Atlanta, there's going to be people on your roster that are getting work that are satisfied, that feel like they can connect with their agents and there's going to be people who like feel left out or missed and those people can change. Those people can flip flop. Those people can feel like that for a while and then not later or not feel like that. And then they do feel like that. It was impossible to keep everybody happy. Just like relationships in general, right? Just like friendships. I could try and keep most people happy, but you know, somebody was always booking and somebody was always in a dry spell. What advice do you have for people who are also represented by said agent you know is it how important is it to keep a relationship with the people who are sending you auditions and things like that it just depends you know what i mean like you want to find that balance between knowing your agent 
and also we're like respecting whatever amount of space you know what i mean like i had all kinds of relationships when i was there i had age i had actors that i became tight friends with that i'm still friends with today and maybe we'd go on a camping trip or hit a hike or you know they'd come over to my house but that was not normal like that was the few you know what i mean and then there were others where it's like, yeah, we'd rub elbows at events and whatever, and I'd see them around the office regularly, and they'd pop by, and that was great. And that's like, I guess, like some level of middle ground. And then there were other actors where maybe I'd see them in person like once in a blue moon, and other than that, we just talked on the phone, and it was just business. And then there were also actors that stopped by too often, you know what I mean? Because uh, we had an open-door policy, which I think, you know, was a double-edged sword, you know what I mean? I think in a boutique agency, there's like a certain level of warmth and joy that comes from feeling like you can stop by and talk to actors or your agents, and that's good. That was good for knowing people, and I think creating that environment was a big part of people's store success. Um, it was also distracting, you know what I mean? Like I'd be in the middle of something, and then somebody would pop by, and I have this obligation to talk to them, and that that can be challenging, but. I don't know, it's tough because it was like one of the most distracting things, but also like a big part of enjoying that because it's like somebody would stop by and it's like, oh my gosh, like I'm so happy that you booked this thing and it's so good to see you. And like, there were just so many amazing people on that roster that were like so much. It's crazy how many just talented, special people I met through there. I know you've probably got this question a thousand times, but I'm always curious to hear other people's perspective. But like, I know a lot of people, whether they're in Atlanta, Atlanta, um, LA, New York, UK, whatever. But like the main question is like, how do you get an agent? (sighs) (laughs) The short answer. (laughs) Uh, You know what, dude? I don't, I don't even know anymore. It's hard. I mean, it's hard because there's just so many variables. I mean, first of all, you better have professional materials. You know what I mean? Like, you better, it's just too competitive to work with anything other than just rock star headshot photographers. So, people that think they're going to like save money on their headshots and still get quality results need to recognize that you have to have top notch headshots. Because that would be the instant way. If I don't know you and you're not referred, if I see just like, any kind of subpar element to your photography it's just like you know like that's that's the first impression and that's the first impression that casting directors get once you're signed with an agency so like straight out the gate like boom you gotta have that you know what i mean like don't go with the friend that's got the nice camera that offered to do it for a really cheap price in their backyard and it's like or or an iphone oh yeah i mean out of the question did you see <laughs> did you see that a lot by any chance uh, we saw that with just kind of like random people that would submit online. Eventually, I think actually towards the end, it's like when I think back at the time I worked there, there's like six years I worked there. So like there's all these different eras of that. But when I think back, you know, I think when people would submit to us just general submissions online, we saw more of that. Less of that with like referrals and people like an actor that we already had with, or a casting director or a producer would email us somebody, you know most of the time but but there's tears within that even when you do go to somebody who's just a straight up headshot photographer it's like it's just you got to spend the extra to just get really just that premium crispy just badass headshot photographer so 
that is not a place to skimp. And so that's one way for starters. And then, man, you got to get out there, you know? You got to, like, go to that voiceover conference, go to that film festival, get that pass, go... I mean, obviously, you got to be in your classes and ask ask the people you work with how they got their agents. Uh, and, you know, showcases don't hurt. Even if you don't get signed because of a showcase, you know what I mean? You're still you're still there in a room full of agents, you know what I mean? And, and that's a really great way to break in. I mean, you know, it's easier for some people than others just based on who they know, which is frustrating, right? Like if I'm a great actor and I'm super talented and I deserve to be represent, you know, represented by this agency, but I don't know anybody who's represented there and like how am I supposed to, that's not fair, but that's, that's kind of how it is, you know what I mean? We got lots of great actors based on recommendations from other actors that were signed there before I was an employee. But yeah, I mean... How do you get an agent? Well, you mentioned referrals. Like that's how I got, I was working. Yeah. I still work with my publicist now. She's awesome. And then, you know, through the grapevine, her and Greer and Beth, who, you know, who've also I've interviewed before and they'll be on this podcast, you know, in the future, but I don't know what it is for some reason. And maybe it's just me, but like when you ask a referral to somebody, I don't know, is it, did you find it weird had to ask for, for, I always felt like, Hey, can you introduce me to your agent? It was always this like weird feeling, you know, cause it's kind of, especially nowadays, it's kind of tough to get one. So asking somebody referral, like you don't know how they got it. And regardless if they got it referral or not, I just found it a very, I don't know. I just felt like I was in an awkward, like, Hey, I need a favor. Can you refer me to your agent? You know, I don't know. Am I crazy for thinking that? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. You know, um, I never had to deal with that because I'm not an actor. I mean, any referral coming from Greer and Beth, like those two people are some of the most important people on that people star roster, right? Like those are high caliber hosts. And not only are they just like great for business, but they're just such special people in general. I can't tell you how many times Greer has helped me with stuff with sound therapy. She helped me meet you. She helped me develop a relationship with this really great bar trampoline kettlebell studio in Sandy Springs called Fuse where I get to do sound work. I mean, for years, both of those people have, those people are amazing. (laughs) Greer and Beth have like been a big impact on me. So like if you get a referral from them, you take that very seriously, right? If, If you, you know, but as far as your original question, like is it weird or invasive or like needy to ask like, hey, will you introduce you know, I think if that person believes in you and and whatever that they would want to introduce you. If they think that you're going to add value to their agents, why wouldn't they? And that might just depend on the actor. Some people might be like, man, I don't even know you. I don't want to pitch you to my agents. Or some people might be like, hey, you know, you're my best friend. But honestly, I know that they're booked in your category. Or hell yeah, I would do it. That's just going to, that's just going to vary for you know, person to person. I've been reading a lot about real estate lately and like multifamily properties and getting into this, another podcast called Bigger Pockets and in a different realm, but a parallel, it's talking about sharing real estate agents. And like, if you get a really great real estate agent or you find a really great contractor, like, do you want to share that information? Because that means that they have less time for you. 
But, you know, honestly, if you are operating from a viewpoint of abundance and prosperity and that there's enough work to go around and there's just enough energy for everybody to live a great, prosperous life, then there is no scarcity or lack in your mind. Why wouldn't you want to introduce this person? Just because I introduce so-and-so to my agent doesn't mean all of a sudden my agent has less time for me. There's always enough. There's always enough in my life. So if I were an actor... And another talented actor was like, hey, will you introduce me to your agent? For me personally, I would be like, hell yeah. Unless I didn't think they were good, in which case then that's awkward. From personal experience, I don't know, because I was never in that position. No, that's a good comparison, because yeah, that's where I feel like that weird limbo is. And you know how some people are like, especially if you don't know the person, like, you know, you're already asking for some, I always tell to try to bring some value to the table. Yeah. So it's not as weird or awkward, or it's like a... I don't know. It's more, I don't know. Cause you never know what people's intentions are and it's like, you just don't know. But I think maybe a lot of people think that as well, that like, Oh, if I introduce this person that that means less for me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It is important to bring value. It's like, um, we're more likely to turn down total strangers or people really close to us Versus like this kind of in-between realm of like acquaintance or like second or third degree friend where we feel like an obligation to try and like help them network, you know what I mean? And I don't know, you know, if I'm an actor and I don't have an agent and one of my friends does and I want to help, I want them to help me, how do I bring value to that? Do I take them to lunch? You know what I mean? Like, I don't, <laughs> like what can I give that person? Maybe I, get, maybe I add value to that person's life in a way that has nothing to do with the industry, you know what I mean? But... You know, if somebody I don't know is just like, hey, I know you've got an agent. I heard, you know, through the grapevine, well, hey, will you send them my materials? I might be like less likely to do it versus if it's an actual relationship I have. But, I, you know, man, in general, finding an agent, dude, <laughs> that's hard. <laughs> that's, it's hard. It's hard. And then, and, and you know, I think a lot of people think that once they get it, it's like, oh, whew, here we go. I got an agent. Like, I'm about to blast off. And really... Really, you're just getting started. Yeah, no, I'm glad you said that because I I try to help, you know, I try to bring as much value to the table as possible with people who don't, you know, maybe just getting started. And I hear and see that question all the time. Like, God, I just, if I got this agent or if I'd be set and I'm like. Maybe. Yeah. I was <laughs> like, don't forget, now you're in the, you know, in the database with like God knows how many people. How, however many people either look like you sound like you whatever and it's like now you've got audition like it's just it's <sighs> it's it's a big step yeah and i don't want to discredit how massive it is to get oh, an agent because sure. it's life-changing yeah but it doesn't mean that you hit the sweepstakes you know what i mean like it's still a lot of work and competition and like it's still mostly on you you know what i mean like the agent's not going to just wave a wand and all of a sudden you're famous or working constantly. If it only worked like that, I swear <laughs> to God, we'd be, we're, we'd be good to go. Yeah. Well, me, and so what we kind of talked about everything leading up to this point, but like, what was your last day at your agency? Like, uh, you know, I was bittersweet. Um, or I'm sorry, before you answer that, why did you decide to take a step back? Well, I did it for a while, you know what I mean? Like I did it for six years and I I just was ready to do something different, you know what I mean? I kind of like, 
the entertainment industry as a whole for me just became less important to me. You know what I mean? And that's not, that's just for me personally. You know what I mean? That's just through this lens here. But I, I just kind of fell out of love with it, honestly. From a health perspective, I don't want to stare at a screen. I think balance is really important. And I think that the culture that the United States is moving towards and has been for a while is very work heavy. And I appreciate work ethic and I appreciate working hard and I appreciate hustling and I appreciate the grind. But I think there's a balance that we must find. And I wasn't getting that when I was a talent agent. I wasn't getting enough separation because that job could follow me everywhere. You know, unlike some jobs where it's like you leave and clock out and like you, your life is yours. It's your time. You know what I mean? And I had to fight for that. And the expectation was to just constantly be available, constantly on, constantly be reachable through a phone call or through email. And that's just not the way I want to live my life. And not only was that the expectation, I think in a lot of ways that's glorified. And like, oh my gosh, you work so hard. Look at you sending this email at 10 p.m. That's not cool. That sucks. <laughs> I think. That's not like, oh, what a badass. That's like, oh my God, work is running you. You know what I mean? And, you know, and, and to be fair, like if people start like, I was pretty good at establishing my boundaries and I, I don't want to make it sound like I was constantly enslaved to always be on and available. But if I let that happen, it totally would, like an avalanche. There was always something I could be doing, and it was like this constant, like, kind of eating at me feeling. I mean, obviously what I do now is in a totally different sphere of life. But, man, I just wanted to switch it up, honestly. Six years, that was long enough. I went through all kinds of change and development and growth. and I mean, for the record, that job just, like, 100% changed my life. So many experiences. It built my confidence up big time. Big confidence builder. It helps me learn so many organizational skills, networking skills. Like literally, I wouldn't be the person I am today or where I am today without it. Um, so I want to give it that because it, it deserves that. But it didn't mean it wasn't time to go. And when I found sound therapy, it was like, it was just obvious, just this feeling like, oh, here it is. Yeah, and it's just it's just interesting, like what you said about how everything you learned in that six years just kind of came into one moment, and it's just <clears throat> for me. I talked about it a little in previous episodes, but when I had just got back to Atlanta from LA, I was broken. Like I was just like, you know, used to everybody being superficial. You get that feeling nobody cares. You're alone, and then when I got connected with People Store you know, I got, you know, got the interview or whatever. And then, like I said, it was so weird. I was just not expecting it. But like, you had come out and you're like, hey, my name's Alex. And um, this is my last day here. But uh, yeah, I just hope you get it, man. And I hope you have a great day. And yeah. you just walked out. And it's so weird. That whole moment, you've just been in like a blurry face. So then, you know, for Greer to like point you in that direction. But it was just like that hit me harder than you'll ever know. Cause I was just like, 
so you it was I wasn't you like it was almost I don't know just reassurances that's where I was supposed to be whether I had got it or not mm. just like because the p I just that's that southern hospitality where people are just nice like you don't get that anywhere else yeah and I was just like I I think I even told Rick I was just that just that stuff I just could not shake that I was just like holy crap so thank you yeah hey man my pleasure that's validating for me you know, that's, that's how I want to be in life, no matter what I'm doing for work or where I'm at. You know what I mean? Because it's important to make people feel valued and make people feel like they matter. And just the simplest of night, like you probably didn't even think of, that's the, that's like I said, it was just something like, oh, just, Hey man, good luck. And it was <laughs> like, you're not even thinking about it. It's just like, you just never know. Like it's just like random acts of kindness like that, whether you realize it or not, are just so powerful. Years ago, years ago, I was uh, waiting tables back in college and like, I was walking down the hallway of this restaurant and some lady was on her way to the bathroom and she just came around the corner and she was wearing this beautiful red dress. And I was like, oh my God, what a pretty dress. And didn't think twice about it. And then like the bartender came up and gave me like 10 or $20. And I was like, what is this? And she, and he was like, it's the lady in the red dress at the bar. You really made her day. And I went over there and I was like, hey, thank you. And she was like, oh my God, I've been going through such a hard time. And just something about that interaction just made me feel so good. And so, you know, it is important. Uh, I, I, I had no idea where you were at or what was going on with you or how that would stick with you. Um, but it makes me feel really good. It makes me feel validated. And like, you know, I want to be, I want to be a kind person who uplifts people and makes people feel good. And like, that's who I want in my life too, you know? And it's also cool that it makes me feel like I had an impact even up to the very last day that I was a part of that company. Yeah, man. Like I said, I, that, and it was so weird. I'm so glad because Greer had finally reached out to me. It was like, oh my God, I think that's, that's Alan. It's gotta be him. I was because like for the it was so weird because like the for the longest time it's just like I couldn't even put it was just like this blurry figure you know because I just wasn't <laughs> I wasn't expecting I was just sitting there like well this is it well what's going on yeah but yeah no it, it's crazy and I you know I know you're gonna keep doing what you do man I think it's awesome but then you know we talked about so many you know all this agency stuff and now you've you know turned a new leaf and you're doing something you're passionate about and I love these unique things how. And well, first of all, what is sound slash gong therapy? Yeah. I want to talk about that, but I want to say one more thing about yeah, yeah, story. Yeah, sure, man. Because I just want to, because assuming that people who may be interested in People's Store or who work at People's Store or are, are already represented by People's Store, like the whole culture of that business, I think is like that. And I think that's one thing that makes it special because they're a great agency with great connections, but the people who work there have that extra level of kindness, especially, well, I'm not even going to say especially anybody because there's so many great people that work as agents and staff at that, at that business. And I just, I just want to like compliment that before we move on from that because I love them. Okay. Anyway, sound therapy. What is sound therapy? What gong therapy? You know, honestly, I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> I mean, we did it today. So it's really about vibration and it is a therapeutic modality that helps people process grief and trauma and enables them to release in a holistic non-invasive non-drug way and so if somebody's listening to this and they're thinking like i've never heard of anything like that uh 
you are sitting on a massage table right now, right next to a gong. So you, you, you have a client who is, is in a relaxed position. And even if you were deaf, even if you couldn't hear these sounds, as soothing and therapeutic as they may be, it's really about the vibration. You can feel it in your body. You experience that today. And so it's like a cellular massage. And it just leaves people with an overall feeling of rejuvenation and wellness and peace and groundedness in their life. And so, you know, as far as there's still so much I have to learn about it. And, and like, I'm, I'm really just kind of at the tip of the iceberg with it. I've experienced myself, experienced it myself on numerous occasions, but I don't want to make it sound like I know more than I do. I'm intuitive and I feel like I'm good at it, but there's just so much information about it and the science behind it. And there needs to be more clinical studies on it. And I think there'd be cool if there was eventually a license on it or license for it, like as if I, you know, you're a licensed massage therapist. But uh, it's cool, man. I think it's applicable and it's very universal and it helps people connect with themselves. It helps people with high levels of anxiety lowers your blood pressure. I think that it can be applicable to all types of ailments. You know what I mean? And I don't want to... It's just one puzzle piece in the full picture of wellness, right? Like, uh, you know, if you've got a broken arm, go to the hospital. <laughs> but I, to me, sound therapy comes into play for examples like, man, I'm just so angry with my mother that I feel like I can barely talk to her. Or man, you know, my cousin died and I never got to never got to tell him or her X, Y, Z. Or I've been married for 20 years and now I'm going through a life devastating divorce and I'm beside myself. Or holy sh- I can't sleep. I'm up until 5 in the morning and I sleep in until noon. Or, you know, eating disorders, rape victims, sexual trauma, abuse, uh, insomnia, anxiety that's so bad that you pick at your skin or pull your hair out. All of these things can be mitigated by something as simple as the sound of a gong. And to me, that's really cool. You know what I mean? So that's kind of a, a look into, into you know, that whole world. And it's blowing up. You know what I mean? It's becoming more and more popular, which I think is great. Even though this has been around for who knows how long it's an ancient approach but i just i love it if i can use instruments in a therapeutic setting and the sound and vibration from them to help somebody break like a drug habit or to help somebody feel less depressed or to just change the trajectory of their life then that is very validating and rewarding to me and makes me feel a lot of purpose. It's interesting because I, I even told you beforehand, I didn't want to do too much research on it because I just wanted to be like thrown into it. And when people think gong, I think they think that, wow, that initial just, you know, what you right. see in movies and stuff, that wasn't it at all. Yeah, yeah. The, the, <laughs> you know, gongs are in movies and like, you know, gongs have been used for all different kinds of things, like to announce the arriving of royalty and just all these different things or maybe like, maybe alongside like drums for like people going off to war and stuff. But if I were to just slam into a gong like that, I could hurt somebody. Yeah. 
You know, and I mean, I mean, most of the time today, I was playing it very gently. You're so close to it, you get to pick up on all all the subtle noises that it makes without having to just slam it. People use all kinds of instruments for this line of work: uh, didgeridoos, drums, singing bowls are really popular, gongs, harps, different types of chimes. I mean, I plan to have a ton of instruments. Like the gong feels most important to me, and most like what I want to use but there's a bunch of different types of instruments i mean we used one two three four four, five instruments today i think the gong's the centerpiece Mm -hmm. yeah it was interesting because yeah we went through what was it about an hour that was about an hour yeah i mean i'm so close to it yeah it was just i could feel the vibration through my entire body and (laughs) on the right side of me i was like twitching a little bit and it was just like but it was just so relaxing, so peaceful. Like, I, it's almost hard to describe because it's almost like it was almost like a meditation thing. And it was just like I was, you know, focused. I mean, it doesn't help that I had a bunch of coffee this morning, but I was just like my breathing was it was very, very relaxing, very new. And I, no, I thought it was awesome. Yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Uh, I've had a variety of um, feedback. You know, some people feel like they're floating. Some people fall asleep. Some people, you know, it takes them back to different times in their life. Some, you know, it can make things surface that are challenging to work with, but are necessary, you know, that maybe who've repressed, I've had people tear up and cry, you know. It, it, you know, it can be anything like, hey, I'm feeling really down. I want to do this to, hey, things are going really great and I just want to make it even better or I just want to try this for fun, you know what I mean? You know experiences vary and then it's different like the one-on-one therapy we did today is different than what I do in groups and I can't do group work right now because of COVID-19 but that can be a cool experience too it's different it's less personalized and less intense because you're not right up against the instrument with all the focus on you but I do both do you enjoy more one-on-one or more group um, it just depends. It just depends. I love them both. Um, I think when I first started, I've, I felt more drawn to the one-on-one because of the amount of impact I can have on that specific person. But then again, you know, I can impact a bunch of people at once if I do a group. Uh, they're totally different. They're very different. Like, um, that first event I did at Fuse, there were probably about 30 people. And the energy afterwards was just awesome. And there were so many people there that I loved that came to support me and experience that. And so you could just feel afterwards, just everybody seemed happy and like in a good space. And so that was really rewarding and cool. I think I think I lean more towards the one-on-one, but it's always going to be both. It's always going to be both. I mean, I aspire to one day be able to do like a global tour and if we could, and I'd need help, you know, it's going to, you know, I'm working with my massage therapist, Alex Stadler, who wants to, who wants to gravitate towards sound therapy. And, you know, I envision being able to fill an arena or a stadium. And if we can make that many people feel connected and feel like one and feel grounded and meditative all at once, then we're really changing the world right we're really having a big impact then and so it's never going to be just one or the other you know what i mean and it could be it could get to a point where i don't have time to do one-on-ones anymore 
years from now because it's just like what I'm doing is on such a large scale and that would be cool. But I love the intimacy of what like what we did today with with the one-on-one therapy and how that can impact somebody. That's that's cool to me. Yeah, it was definitely like I said I'm always looking for unique things and that was definitely interesting. It was uh, in a good way. Well, you know, I haven't been doing this for long. You know, I, I try to be open to the fact that things, like I never want to place any self-limiting beliefs over my head and say, you know, like, well, one day maybe. I mean, everything can just change like that. So one connection, one thing, one shift can all of a sudden accelerate things. I mean, you know, a factor that's beyond my control is coronavirus. Like live events right now, they're toast for a while, right? Concerts, music festivals gatherings of any sort in an enclosed space or you know outdoors even i mean they're just they're limited but you know once the vaccine's out there and that's all behind us and i and i know that day's coming and i feel good about that and like peace that that will have resolution i don't know right now i'm like let me get this website finished and get these cards made and like get some paperwork done and like some legal stuff handled and uh really just be able to do this full time and make a prosperous living off of it one step at a time but, you know, assuming things chill out with the virus and, like, it becomes safe to gather in large groups, that would be great to be doing in a few years. I need to get a different vehicle. I need more instruments. I need larger gongs. I need uh, a team of people that can basically go on tour with me. Yeah, I'm open to that happening as soon as possible. And how has COVID f- uh, affected your business? You know what? Um not negatively, I suppose, but I, you know, overall, and I, I don't want, I almost hesitate to say this on a recording because COVID has been so devastating and terrible. And obviously I wish it never happened and it's killed people and, you know, ruined lives and it's been terrible for me in my own personal bubble of my life. It's not been that bad. I almost feel guilty saying that, but like I've had a lot of time. I've had time to plan stuff for this. I've had time to read. I got unemployment money, which helped bridge that gap financially. It's affected me in the sense that I can't do the group events anymore. I was doing this thing called Gong with a Yin with this really great yoga instructor, Jeff Sousa, at Yoga Works in Buckhead the first Wednesday of every month. That's come to a halt. I was going to do an event up in Blue Ridge, up in the mountains of North Georgia at a yoga studio up there. That got canceled. That was in April. And probably the biggest impact it had on me with Secret River is that I had two certification programs that, you know, I was going to do this gong therapy certification program in Virginia with this guy named Matab Benton who wrote a gong therapy book that was a big part of me getting started. That's postponed until who knows when. Like they moved it from April to August and then it's like, hey, the virus is still kicking it. So now that's just to be determined next year. And then I have a vibrational sound association certification program, which is like, that's putting singing bowls, metal singing bowls directly on the body. That program got moved from March. I was just about to do that like a week before everything shut down. That got moved to October. I hope it stays, but maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. It's going to be different. So getting those certifications, which would have been nice, that's been pushed back. And then the group events, that's, you know, but like we're, you know, in certain instances, we're still able to do one-on-one therapy with a certain level of, you know, risk tolerance. And like, you know, I can wear a mask if I need to. And it's intimate and it's close. I mean, I'm 
If I'm working on somebody, I'm more than, I'm, at some points, I'm six inches away. I'm not six feet away, so, you know. But I, I'm at peace with whatever comes with that, you know what I mean? Like, at first, it was really frustrating, and then I realized, like, resisting that and being frustrated about that's futile. So I'm just rolling with it and using using the extra time and, and reflection to benefit me and, and not stressing the ways it's held it back because can't change it. Yeah. And I'll, I'll go on record saying it too. You know, it was really frustrating cause you know, you know, productions kind of stopped. So like auditions and everything have stopped, but it's given me more time to focus on my business. And like you said, do a lot of reading, listen to a lot of audiobooks, podcasting, learning, and just, you know, figuring it out. But that's, I mean, I, I view it as like, <clears throat> if it wasn't COVID, it'd be something else. You know, I mean, I think I think everything happens for a reason, good or bad, and it's just how you process it and what you do with what's going on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, dude, people are adaptable, and we are going to get past it. Like, I have no doubt. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be hardship on the way, and it doesn't mean that people aren't going to perish, but as a society, as a whole, we are going to adapt just like we always do. And before I forget, how exactly did you get into this? Because I wish people could see the setup. Like you said, I'm sitting on a massage table with a giant gong next to me. There's definitely some more instruments and tools besides <laughs> you. How did, how did you even? Dude, you know, everything just like slowly accumulated in my life to the point where this became something that made sense for me. I've had so much just life-changing help from different specialty healers in my life. My acupuncturist, Dr. Nobu, has had a massive impact on my life. My massage therapist, Alex Stadler, a massive impact on my life. I've got like a visceral organ massage therapist named Susan. She's been a huge impact. And I've had a yoga practice for the past seven or eight years. And so like I'm into all that like granola, woo-woo shit, you know what I mean? And, and not everything I just listed is woo-woo. Like some people think sound therapy is, but really it's it's really not. It's just, I, it's different. Yeah. It's not woo. Don't get, uh, I'll be honest. I, I've gotten, I've embraced the woo. <laughs> like, Me too. I, I'm into all that stuff. The woo woo, the spiritual <laughs> stuff too, man. Cause stuff kept happening and like coincidences kept happening. Like this is, you can, I couldn't ignore it. Yeah. There's so a lot I don't, of, yeah. I don't turn a blind eye to it by any means. Man, you know, if you just, your perception shifts and all of a sudden everything starts to feel like miraculous and all of a sudden you start to get everything you want in your life and all of a sudden you realize that you are unlimited and you are unstoppable and you can live a life without pain and you can be free and you can just do anything you want and have the health and the wealth and the life you want and then... It all it all makes sense. I'm Alex Baloo Woo Woo Woo. Use that man. Put that in the, put that in the branding marketing I'll, I'll campaign. Put it man. in a wrap. But man, I could talk about this stuff forever. The last question I have for you about all this is, why do you do what you do? First of all, this line of work enables me to have balance with technology because one thing I realized when I was a talent agent is that email based work is not good for your brain. And staring at a screen for hours on end somewhere stationary is not good for you physically or mentally. This is a type of deep work that impacts people's lives that comes naturally to me that I enjoy doing. And I feel like it can make other people's lives better. And it doesn't really feel like work so much to me. I mean, it does if I'm like really tired. 
and doing a certain amount of sessions back to back can be draining because there's a lot of pouring into it that I do, a lot of intention and a lot of energy. I don't take on people's problems, but like I hear about them and I and I just a lot of it takes energy. And I've got energy to give and plenty of it, but I don't know, I just I love it and I think that there's a need out there for it. You know what I mean? I think people need to combat ailments and issues in their life holistically without pills and without escapism and without substance abuse. You know what I mean? People need to be able to rejuvenate and people need to decompress and people are in this world that's filled with so much stimulus and noise and traffic and chaos and pain. And this is a, a route that people can use to um, to help with that. So, and I just think it's cool. You know what I mean? I just think it's cool. Yeah, I can't wait to see where it goes. I have no idea what my life's going to be like a few years from now or 10 years from now. You know, and I, maybe one day I quit doing sound therapy. Maybe one day I'm like, you know, playing a gong in a canyon for a thousand people. I don't know. Well, <laughs> <laughs> dude, I got on records. I'll be like, that's a guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, dude, where, uh, where can people find you online? Uh, secretriversounds.com. So it's Secret River Sounds is the name of my business. So I'm still working on that website right now. Hopefully by the time you've got this podcast edited and out, it's done. I mean, I have I should have it done in a few weeks. And I'll, you know, I'll make social media and everything for it. But with this line of business, it's really word of mouth, I think, that's going to get it out. But And then, you, you know, you can find me around Atlanta doing different events and there will be a calendar and, you know, I'm there. Reach out to me. All right, that does it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. And I would love your help. This podcast is brand new, so I need all the help I can get. If you would, just subscribe to the podcast, leave a five-star rating. I really, really would appreciate it. And last but not least, I got a little something for you. For the last 10 years, I have been writing, shooting, producing, editing my own video to get my dream job as an entertainment reporter in Los Angeles interviewing the stars. Now, that might not be your dream, but if you are in this industry and you are in this field, you are going to need to learn how to write, shoot, and edit, produce your own content. And now I want to personally train you on these skills so you can create your own journey and make money while doing so. So what I want you to do now is log on to Facebook and request to be in my private Facebook group, On Camera Professionals. Once again, it is called On Camera Professionals. But wait, Thomas, I really like your stuff. I really want to learn from you, but I don't want to be on camera. Don't worry. I got you covered. In this group, I'm going to be doing a live training, so that means live tips and tricks. I'm going to do giveaways, freebies, and I'm also going to do personalized training. So once again, log on to Facebook and type in On Camera Professionals, and I'll see you there.